Thank you, Father. Well, I've got a word for you this morning, and we'll get to it in just a minute. But uh, let me just take a moment to uh, tell you a little bit about who we are very quickly. This is my lovely wife of 38 years, Becky Cruz. She's the love of my life. We have three children, and uh, they're all in full-time ministry today, and they're all sharing the gospel this morning. Uh, our older son, Jody, pastors Compassion Church, a church that we birthed in Austin, Texas back in 2001. And then in 2002, we began a music college, uh, Cruz Institute for the Arts. And uh, we have, I don't know how many students, well over 150, close to 200 kids, uh, young men and women, couples out there ministering in full-time ministry. And uh, we put the school fully online because uh, every time we traveled out, the school suffered. And so uh, now God has allowed us to touch men and women around the world. We have instructors from around the world that help us do the teaching. And the school is growing. We had the largest intake of students we've ever had last week. And uh, we just received, Miss Glenna called me last night or texted me, and she said, we have three more that have uh, come online this week. So we have some of our brochures uh, out on the table. It's just a card that tells you about Cruise Institute on, uh, online. And if you know of some young men and women that want to uh, uh, grow in their gift and they want to uh, further their Christian education, we are fully accredited through Transworld Accreditation, and uh, you can get a Bachelor of Music Ministry and Associate's Degree in Theology, and it can be a blessing to you. Also, on the book table, we have some CDs that have the songs, some of the songs that we uh, sang this morning, and then also we have a DVD that we did last year, last May, uh, there in New London, uh, South Africa, when East London, South Africa, when we were ministering there, TBN Africa, and we did a huge worship conference there, and we captured 45 minutes of the live worship, and it will be a blessing. Our CDs are $5 a piece. That's all they are, and then the DVD is $10. If you take one of everything that's on the table, it's only 40 bucks. so that's like getting three of them for free. So if you love live worship, Every one of the CDs are live in a service somewhere around the world, and I know it'll be a blessing to you. I pray that it will uh, touch your heart. How many of you know that it's important to have good music in your house? It really is, that you, just by putting that music on, you can change the whole atmosphere, the climate of your home, and uh, just create an atmosphere for God to begin to work and, and do some powerful things. And we can give all kinds of testimonies concerning that of the goodness of God and, and people coming out of comas listening to the CDs. And it's just amazing what the Lord has done through, through music, and we thank God for that. And so, you know, we're, we're just happy to be here. Is that all right to, to say that? We're very excited to be here. We love your pastors, Pastor Zach and Heather. We've known them for, for, for quite, quite a while, and uh, they're, they're powerful people, powerful men and women of God, and you are blessed to have them. They are honest and true and righteous, people of integrity. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And so that, that's why we hang around them, okay? That's why we hang around them is because you can trust them, all right? And that's, those are the kind of folks we like to hang around, amen? You want to greet the people, I assume? <laughs> I just wanted to say a quick hello to you and, 
to um, tell you how much uh, we love you. And we're honored to be here. As Pastor Joe said, we're honored to be here this weekend. And thank you for the invitation, pastors. And we're proud of you guys and proud of what God has put in you. And, and the dreams that you have, uh, you're going to see come to pass here in the Northeast. And, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And to the church, I wanted to say just a word to those of you that have been here and you have stayed by the stuff I want to tell you, your greatest days are right in front of you. If you think God did awesome things back in the day, you cannot believe what he has in store for you. And, and I want to say something to you, those of you. I, I know that, that you have an affiliation with the denomination, and I want to say this. I want to say this to the, to the uh, older guys. I want to say thank you for staying faithful and true to the call and to the calls of Christ. It was in a, an Assemblies of God church that my husband had an encounter with the Holy Ghost. We grew up Southern Baptist. We were born, bred, and buttered in the Southern Baptist denomination. And uh, we didn't, you know, there was that part of our lives where we knew that there had to be something more than just what we were getting on a Sunday. We knew we didn't know what it was we were missing. We, we knew about God our Father, and we knew about God the Son. We, we learned about Jesus and how important it was to share the gospel. But, you know, for the third person of the Godhead, for God the Holy Spirit, we heard that he passed away with the last apostle and that it wasn't now irrelevant for this dispensation. And I want to say thank you to those of you that were born in the fires of revival, that you've stayed by the stuff. And it was because of your faithfulness that the Holy Ghost came to two Baptist kids and radically touched our lives and changed us. And we have a worldwide ministry today because of the power and presence of God. And I want to say thank you for that. And to you young people. I want to say one word. Don't be ashamed of the Holy Ghost. Don't be ashamed of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the only one that can touch a life in worship. And you can leave feeling better than when you came in. It's only the Holy Ghost. And if we take the Holy Ghost out of our services, we're nothing left. Less, we're just dead works in a community center. Don't be ashamed of the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you what, you may not grow as fast as the seeker-sensitive church, but you will grow. And you will grow healthy and strong families, healthy and strong people in the body of Christ, people that carry the fire of God, and people that will carry the gospel to the far-flung corners of the earth. I see going out of here missionaries. I see going out of here ministers of the gospel. You sit in the pew this morning, you think, I'm just a kid. I'm telling you, no, you're not. What you're going to get in this house over these next few weeks and months and years is going to change the destiny of your life forever. Don't you be ashamed of the Holy Ghost. I tell you what, He's precious. He's precious, and we honor Him. And it was because of Him we came up here to the Northeast. He sent us on a divine assignment. And we're here, and you're here, and we're here all together for such a time as this. Uh, we will see revival in the Canton, Akron, Ohio. We'll see the fire of God burn brighter than it's ever burned in this part of the country. And it'll be because all of us catch the fire of God and go out and tell those of the lost and dying uh, of, of the precious power 
of the gospel. And, and I, just, I wanted to just say that. I felt that in my spirit this morning. Thank you to those who have stood by the fire and stood by the test and stood by the trials. And you haven't compromised. And thank you, and Lord Jesus, this younger generation, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Be proud. Hold your head up high. Yes, I believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Yes, I believe in the power of God. It changed my life forever. Don't you dare be ashamed of it. It was because of the fire of God and the presence of God and the denomination. Our lives were changed, and I'm grateful for that today. Amen. Awesome. Stay here with me. I want you to help me. I want to do one more. Thank you, Lord. Well, the Lord is so good. Uh, just to let you know a little bit about our background, besides just what we've been doing, I grew up in a, in a family that sang, and we were the Cruz family back in the day during the contemporary Christian music uh, beginnings, back with Sandy Patty and, and the Imperials, and uh, I told the guys yesterday at the workshop with uh, Carmen, when Carmen got saved, they put him on our bus for the first nine months so that uh, he could travel with my mom and my dad and all my brothers and sisters and, and uh, you know, have a family so that he could kind of see what things were about and not get off on, on crazy stuff. My baby sister is the, the worship pastor, uh, the, wor- the lead pa- worship pastor for Pastor Joel Osteen at Lakewood Church down in Houston, Texas. The blonde, that's my baby sister. And uh, all of my other siblings, thank you, all of my other siblings are ministering today. My brother John, the youngest one in our family, is at Gateway Church with Robert Morris. And so we, we just, my dad and mom, dad is, is uh, 83, mom is, se- is 78, and they still pastor in Rosenberg, Texas, just south of Sugarland there. And, and so I, I, I'm just very, very blessed to, uh, to carry the, the cause of Christ uh, I didn't get saved by osmosis, okay? I remember the day in West Texas when my dad was pastoring, and, and I heard him preach, and, I, and I, in my heart I said, I want what he's talking about. I want to know that man my daddy is so passionate about. And so I walked the aisle and gave my heart to Christ. And uh, uh, then at the age of 12, I was the only one from our church that went to youth camp. And uh, I was staying in the dorm with a bunch of 17, 18, 19-year-old kids that I didn't know. And when you're 12, 13 years of age, you just don't look the same as 17, 18, 19-year-old guys do. But uh, uh, I remember during those meetings that uh, the Lord grabbed my heart. And I told him, I said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Back then it was preach, sing, or be a missionary. You know what I'm saying? And uh, in the 42, 43 years we've been in full-time ministry, I've got to do a little bit of all three of those. And uh, about a year and a half ago, the Lord took us to a country in the middle of Africa, a country by the name of Burundi. It sets, it sets between Rwanda and uh, the Republic of the Congo. And uh, we all know about Rwanda and the millions of people that were decimated and, and uh, uh, killed and eradicated and uh, the Republic of Congo is still at war. And uh, I met a pastor by the name of Edmond Kavouye, and the uh, Burundi people there speak French. And I met him in a church in Tampa and was invited to come to their church and minister. And uh, I had to go to South Africa first before I went to uh, Burundi. And 
when I met the pastor and, and got to know him, you know, you just see a person and they tell you that he has a ministry of over 10,000 every Sunday morning to come together and they have three hospitals and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, people say that lightly and it just kind of passes through your mind. And then whenever you get ready to go to that country, we were ministering in South Africa and, and uh, we were down in Cape Town where part of the seat of their government is there for South Africa. And two of the dignitaries came back behind the back to the green room and we were just talking and about the state of South Africa and what they've gone through through apartheid and all this kind of stuff and, and uh, uh, how prejudice had, had destroyed their country and, uh, and in the midst of the rebuilding of that country how, how things had changed and, and there, was, there was a hunger for God again like never before because people began to get desperate and so I'm telling them, they said, well, where are you headed next? I said, I'm, we're headed to Burundi. And, and it got his attention like this. And he looked at me and he said, that's not a very safe place. And I said, well, it's nice to know that now. I'm, I'll be there next week. He said, well, I just came back. And he said, the moment I stepped off of the plane, he said, there were two military guards that met me as I came off the the steps of the plane and the, and, the, and the man when I stepped off he took his AK-47 and laid it across my chest and said and he said I'm a dignitary I'm, I'm, on, I'm from the cabinet of, of South Africa and the man goes why you ya why you ya he said I've been asked by your president to come and so he moved his gun and let him go and so uh, he said it's just not a very safe place and so we're flying through Nairobi, Kenya, and we're headed across to, through Rwanda down to, to uh, Burundi. And, and I, I don't know what I'm thinking. So just before we get ready to get on the plane, I called the pastor and I said, by the way, I've heard that uh, uh, when you get off the plane that uh, uh, sometimes the, the military there can be a little bit, uh, what was the word I used? Uh, a little bit forward. He said, oh, don't worry about it. He said, we have two entrances. He said, you will be coming to the VIP entrance. And he said, the moment you get off, he said, I'll be looking for you. Well, we pick up some dignitaries in Rwanda. I didn't know who they were, but everybody on the plane and all of the, the uh, uh, pilot and everyone greeted them. And I mean, it was, they took care of them in a special place. What I didn't realize was this was the ex-president of Burundi. And, and tonight I'll tell you more about all of that because it's just an awesome story. But make a long story short, we get there. Everything was fine. We get through customs. We go and we minister for four days. And uh, they have early morning prayer. The first morning on Monday morning, I led early morning prayer. There were over 1,000 people there. On Wednesday morning, there was over 3,000 people there for early morning prayer. But the most interesting thing that happened to us the whole week was Saturday night before we started the meetings, I get a phone call from Pastor Edmond. He said, Pastor Joe, he said, I just got a phone call from the president of Burundi. Uh, Butchambura is the capital of Burundi, and that's where we were ministering. And the president is a born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking believer, and his wife is more radical than he he was a gorilla. Now, I just flew with the ex-president uh, ex of the country. There wasn't a coup, but they, they voted the new president, President Felipe. He's been there now five, nearly six years as the president of the country. He was a gorilla. 
that was fighting for change because the old president was a, was a uh, dictator like uh, Mugabe there back in, in uh, uh, Zimbabwe. And so what I didn't know was this ex-president had tried to kill the pastor I was going to go minister with. And his lead assassin got saved in the meetings and became my bodyguard the whole time I was there. I mean, you know, these are crazy kind of things that happen. And, and, and you hear about stories like this, but when you start to live it, it's kind of like it gives you goosebumps all over and you're kind of looking over your shoulder. And there's a man, there's a guard. We're, we're coming out of the plane. And, and we go to get in the car of the pastor. And all of a sudden, this, this, this military uh, sergeant sits down beside my wife, goes to sit beside my wife in the back seat. And I went, hold on, whoa, wait, 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 who are you? And the pres- and, and pastor goes, it's okay, he works for me. I mean, he's got his beret hat on. He's got his AK-47 and his military boots and everything. Yeah, I don't know who he is. He just kind of sneaks up behind me and sits beside my wife. I don't know what I was going to do, but anyway. So we're ministering there together all week long. And, and, uh, but, but i got to go back to So he tells me the president's coming. I didn't know it. But the president has three praise teams that keep worship music going in the palace 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And he said, can I bring one of my praise teams to the meetings Sunday morning and help lead worship? I'm going, okay, Barack Obama calls Pastor Zach and says, I'm going to bring one of my praise teams, and we want to come in for 25, 30 minutes, help lead worship Sunday morning, you're there. What do you think I'm going to say? Absolutely. Only if our president had worship going on in our White House 24-7. It could happen. It's not over yet, baby. So he came, and I got to watch for 30 minutes. I mean, he showed up in his seven black SUVs. All the military secret service piled out and stood around the sanctuary that was housing. Well, actually, the sanctuary, it's a pole barn. Anybody know what a pole barn is? Some of y'all know what a pole barn is? Okay, I grew up in the country, okay? And a pole barn is is, is you build a lean-to. It's all poles. It's got sheet metal or wood over the top. That's a pole barn. This church was over about a football field in size, and there were over 10,000 people spread out underneath that for Sunday morning for four and a half hours, five hours. I, I, it just kept going. We worshiped and we danced and we praised. And then we preached and we ministered and then we sang and we danced and gave the altar call and hundreds of people came and gave their heart to Christ and instantly healed and set free. That president sat with his son from the beginning to the last, amen. He was not in a hurry. And when I got through, I walked up to him and I said, thank you for allowing me to come to a country where the head is right. And it's flowing to the whole congregation, to the whole country. And so I'm getting ready to leave on Friday or, or on Wednesday night. And I... Uh, I told Pastor Edmond, I said, I've been in a lot of places. I've never been in a place 
where I saw a modern day David stand and dance and lead his people in the presence of God. I said, your people are so happy. I said, they're here praying. And it's like a, when you hear a 1,000 to 3,000 people at early morning prayer praying in tongues, it's like, it's like a beehive you've never heard before. But I said, why are these people? Every Saturday, they basically stop what they're doing and they walk through the streets of that city because the president gave a decree that every Saturday... We are going to walk through our countryside and through our streets, and we're going to pick up the trash. It's one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. The fruit, they're, on, they're, they're at, the, at the, the source of the Nile. Grapes that big around. Bananas that long. Grapefruit that big. I mean, it's, it's, it's so blessed. And I said, Pastor Edmond, why, why do these people worship like they do? He said, Brother Joe, you have to understand something. He said, they're just post-war five years. He said, five years ago, they were in civil war, and their family members and their, their children were dying by the sword of communism. And he said, today, they just stand and they give thanks because their businesses are prospering and their country is at peace. They're grateful. They're thankful. I just ask you today, are we going to have to go to a place of, quote, civil war, to where our streets are totally filled with blood, to where our government is in worse state of shambles than it is today? You see, USA is still the greatest country to live in. It really is. I kiss the ground when I come back to this place because you can still stand and worship God in freedom. And there's not a man standing at the door with an AK-47. But we need to begin to be thankful. And we need to honor our God like never before. And that spirit of worship, that honor that belongs to Him, it doesn't need to happen just for a few hours on Sunday or Wednesday. But this needs to be something that's a part of the core of who we are every day of every week. Every opportunity we have on our mind, how wonderful and how gracious and how awesome our God is. And that what He has done touches every aspect of our life. There's no difference between where church begins and church ends. We live in church. Because we're carriers of the glory. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Great. 
give the Lord praise today. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, you may be seated. I want to share just a couple of things, and uh, we will be sure to be good stewards of your time, because I want you to come back tonight. I know you don't normally have a Sunday night service, and and uh, the uh, Indiana Colts and the uh, New England Patriots, they'll be all right. And uh, Seattle and Green Bay, they'll be all right. All right? But uh, let's come tonight. Uh, we're going to minister tonight and, and love on families, okay? We're going to pray for families tonight. There's an anointing on our life for families. The, uh, the heritage that I come from, uh, before my dad uh, was pastor, uh, my grandfather, Joe Cruz Sr., was pastoring in uh, Bogalusa, Louisiana, and Corinth, Mississippi, and Texarkana, Texas, and all across the south. My fourth great-uncle was Burleson, uh, Rufus C. Burleson, who founded Baylor University. And so I have, I have a wonderful history, but again, you know, we don't catch this by osmosis. We make a choice. 
But I do believe that the blessing of the Lord is passed to the thousandth generation. And uh, even to the fourth and fifth generation, the Bible talks about as well. So we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. Thank you, sweetheart. And uh, just, you can either go down there. If you want to stay up here by me, I'm not going to take real long. But when we come and we minister and we share the gospel and we kind of, kind of introduce ourselves to folks, we know that, the, that the, the, the true mantle that's on our life is around the heart of worship. That that's, that's the mantle that we carry, that, that God has allowed my wife and I in many, many, many different countries. Many of those don't even speak English, but whenever I open my mouth, I know that there are certain things that happen because of the anointing that the Lord has dropped upon our life. Uh, we all know great men of God. Brother Billy Graham was, was an incredible evangelist. And when he opened his mouth, he had a way of drawing the net that people would come to Christ. That's an anointing. Okay? And uh, Brother Benny Hinn, you know, all these are men. They have feet of clay. But there is an anointing on Brother Benny for healing. All right? There is. For Brother Reinhard Bonnke. Uh, I've been around his ministry, and, and, and he loves souls. He loves souls. And anytime you get around Brother Reinhardt, he's going to talk about souls. You can't get away from it. And then uh, that crazy uh, South African friend of mine, Brother Rodney Howard Brown, he loves revival. And there's an anointing on his life to break churches and cities and countries into revival. And he ministers a lot on the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so ours happens to be around the heart of worship. And, and like we said at the beginning of the morning, worship can be a song, but it's not necessarily a song. Worship is an attitude of the heart. Turn to your neighbor and say an attitude of the heart. And every one of us are, are really commanded to be worshipers. There in John chapter 4, 23 and 24, the Father is seeking a group of people that will worship Him in spirit and in truth. That is the key to you stepping into all that God has for you. If you just have the truth, hello, you'll dry up. If you just have the Spirit, you'll blow up. But if you have the truth and the Spirit, you'll grow up. And you will be all that God wants you to be. We cannot have one without the other. Uh, Listen, I love the Word, but the Word is alive. The Word of God is alive. Sharper than any two-edged sword. And when that word comes forth, it brings forth life. And we have to understand that the word of God is life. And we need to have that life living inside of us. And so this morning, the, where we start with, with, with brand new friends, brand new family, is in Psalm 27. Psalm 27. And so I want to go there today because I, I love this passage because I see the passion of a worshiper. Uh, we see a man who, who uh, went through many trials, went through many uh, situations. Uh, he was a man that God loved and was called at an early age. And so I see myself a lot in, in uh, Brother David here. And, and in this, we, we see a king, we see a, uh, we see a servant, we see a, uh, a worshiper, uh, we see a man with flaws. Anybody here with no flaws? Okay, good. We're in good company then, all right? But uh, we see a man who understood and knew his God. And so when I, when I see this and I see David, I see a man who, who has come through many situations. Uh, he was, uh, you know, when I talk about David, I think about a, a mighty warrior. 
uh, you get around uh, worship and you get around uh, music and and uh, I had a hard time with this growing up because you know I love to play football and and but the Lord kept me small until I grew four and a half inches when I got out of high school. That's crazy. At 18 years of age, I started growing. And uh, which I really had a hard time with God about that. God, why didn't you do this about two years ago? But, but he knew what I was called to do. He knew I'd have tried my best to go down a totally different path. I love to hunt. I love the outdoors. I, I love all of that stuff. I love to take a cedar branch and, 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 and pull down a bunch of that stuff and rub it on my camouflage and sit down under a tree with stuff all over my face and wait for that buck to walk through there, you know. I love all that stuff. Or that, or, that, uh, or that turkey, you know, with the beard about that long. But anyway, I love those kinds of things. And so when the Lord called me into ministry of music, all I had ever seen was these guys stand up there and wave their arm pretty limp, arm, real limp-wristed kind of way, you know. And, 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 and a lot of the guys, I heard about all the struggles that they had with, with lifestyles and things like that. And I said, God, that's not me. I said, Lord, I don't see that in Scripture. The worshipers I see God are men that that are strong and valid, and they knew how to stand and declare and lead people. And so I said, Lord, you've got to show me how to do this. You've got to help me. And so sometimes out of that passion, I would drive people. I would push them. I had to come to that place to where I realized that, that, you see, it's the presence and the power of God that changes a life. We can say all the right things, but if we do it in the wrong way, we're not helping God. We're actually hurting the situation. And so I realized that, that the Lord loves people, and He wants the, to come, and He wants to touch their life and, and bring revelation to who they are. And I began to read, and I began to study, and, and the Lord took me to Psalm 27, and He showed me the heart of a worshiper, but He also showed me the heart of a warrior. He showed me the heart of a warrior, but he also showed me the heart of a worshiper. And I saw this king, this man that had great influence, and I heard what he had to say. I want you to read this with me. The Bible says, as as David is declaring in this psalm, he said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear or dread? He said, The Lord is the refuge and the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You know, there are a lot of people today walking in fear. Afraid someone's going to kill them. Afraid their business is going to fail. Afraid that our freedoms are going to be taken away from us. A lot of people are are walking in fear today instead of walking in faith in knowing their God. He said, when the wicked, even my enemies and my foes came up to eat my flesh, they stumbled and they fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, even then, in this will I be confident. Verse 4 is the key verse. I'm going to read a few more than that, but this is the key verse. He said, one thing have I asked or I desired of the Lord. He says this, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire. In his temple. Let's keep reading. For in the day of trouble, he will hide me in his shelter. In the secret place of his tent will he hide me. He will set me high upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted above all my enemies round about me. In his tent, 
I will offer sacrifices and shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Have mercy and be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. In the Amplified, it says, inquire for and require my presence as your vital need. Some people have more faith in their 401K or or their TSA or whatever it is or all of their stocks and bonds than they have faith that God will take care of them. And then verse 9, he said, Lord, I do this. He said, let me finish verse 8. He said, my heart says to you, your face, your presence, Lord, will I seek, inquire for, and require of necessity. And he says, I will do this on the authority of your word. And then he says, hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. You have seen my help, who have been my help. Cast me not off, neither forsake me, O God, of my salvation. And then he says, although my father and my mother have forsaken me, yet the Lord will take me up, adopt me as his child. In verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in the plain, uh, in the plain and even path because my enemies those who light for me. He says, don't give me over to my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen up against me. They breathe out cruelty and violence. Verse 13, we've all quoted this a thousand times. What, what would have become of me had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? I thank God for the sweet by and by. But you have to understand something. He has given us the person of the Holy Spirit for the nasty now and now. Let me drop six things in your spirit. You ready? The first thing. One thing David had realized. Now listen, he's king. He can have anything he wants. He can have a palace overlaid with pure gold if he wants it. All the tapestries, anything, the finest that the world had to offer. At the time, he was the richest man alive. He was the richest. Not a sheik, not Bill Gates, not the the Walton family. He was the richest in his day. He could have anything he wanted. If he wanted a brand new gold overlaid chariot with two brand new white chargers to pull it, he could have them bred and he could have them. If he wanted another wife, he could have that too. And we know what that cost him. So he could have anything he wanted. But because of his relationship with the Lord, he said, if I could have one thing, he said, if I could live anywhere, he said, I would have my bed set up in that tent right over there. Because you see, for those under the old covenant, that house represented where the presence and the glory of God abode. You see, you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You and I are the dwelling place of the Most High God. Thank God for this beautiful sanctuary. But this is just mortar and brick and steel. Without us in here today, it's an empty shell. There's nothing really holy about it other than the fact it's been dedicated to God for his service and it will decay 
But you see, the house of God will not decay. The body of believers will not decay. His church will not pass away. We will be refined. We will be made pure and holy one day as we are changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. But we are the carriers of the glory of God. And David realized that there was one place that he was safe. And that was where the presence of God was. The only place you are safe today is in the midst and in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Where God abides and he lives on the inside of us. Put your hand on your chest. Put your hand right here. This is the dwelling place of the Most High God. He lives on the inside of you. And you have authority to release the working and the power of God at any moment, any place, any time. But we relegate God to just moments in our life. I ministered in Phoenix, Arizona at a big, huge uh, uh, athletes conference. And in the midst of that, we had... All heaven break loose on two occasions. And Jensen Franklin was was there to minister, but how many of you knew he played saxophone? And we're just leading worship. All of a sudden, I hear this saxophone. I turn around. Jensen's playing. And we just go for about an hour and a half. He's supposed to preach, and we're supposed to finish at lunch. He goes through lunch to 1 o'clock, lays hands on everybody. Come back at 7 o'clock that night. Basically, the same thing happened again. We start out. He jumps up. He's playing. 12, 30, 1 o'clock. We finally finish. And we're sitting by this little restaurant. My wife and our kids were with us at the time. And the man who's putting on the conference walks up. And he said, wow, what a day. I said, man, it's awesome, wasn't it? He said, yeah. He said, what a shame that we can only encounter this once or twice in our lifetime. And I turned and I started to open my mouth. And about the time I did, my wife stomped my foot. (laughs) And she went. Because she knew I was fixing to go, what? We can live like this. We can live like this. We can be carriers of the glory of God. And just by, by just mentioning the name of Jesus in your house, the whole atmosphere instantly changed. Don't relegate God to some little place over here. You try and put God in the box, you're going to end up with an empty box. Because you cannot contain the power and the working of God. But you can release it. You can release it. The first thing is he, to dwell in God's house. Or God's house to dwell inside of us. To be hid in God's pavilion. Under the shadow of the Almighty to say, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. That no enemy, no foe can come near your dwelling place, your tent. Like I said yesterday, I left my house, and I said, angels, do your work. Nothing's going to touch my house while I'm gone. Nobody's going to sneak in and take anything. Why? I'm on, I'm on assignment. I'm on assignment. We have angels that we dispatch. They were assigned to you at birth. Come on now. Go to Hebrews. Read your Bible. Number three, to be lifted above our enemies. What are your enemies today? You know, people talk about our minds. As you get older, you're afraid, uh, as, as one of the little boys did, old-timer's disease. Instead of Alzheimer's, old-timer's disease. That's what he called it. 
I'm not signing up for any old-timer's disease. He's promised me a sound mind. Come on now. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. He's promised us a sound mind. And I'm going to walk in divine healing. You see, what the problem is, is we succumb to the flesh. We allow what this world has to offer to speak louder than what the Word of God has to say. What worshipers do is, is we allow the Word of God to come forth in a song, in word, in deed, whatever. But I am going to be one of those that I will remind the Lord daily of who He is and what He said I can be. That's what a worshiper does. To be hid in his pavilion. What is your enemy? I don't know what the enemy of your soul is. Maybe it's some kind of addiction. Don't know. Maybe it's some kind of sickness or disease. Something that was passed from generation to generation. But again, I go back to the word as a worshiper. Those things were cut off at the cross. I carry the DNA of heaven itself. And again, I remind my father who he is. And I remind him who I am. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. I've been seated together with him in heavenly places far above all principalities and powers. It's not just a word of faith. It's reality. Otherwise, I'm going to go play golf. Firestone is real close. Might be a little white and hard to find the ball today. But I'm not going to play a game. It's not a game. It's a way of life. You play the game, the enemy will take you out because he doesn't play. He kills, he steals, and he destroys. And he will do whatever he can to keep you from your destiny. Number four, what are our sacrifices? Well, I sacrificed. I got up early in the snow. It was cold. My car turned it on. took a while for it to warm up, but I made it. To that church, give me a kudo. There are others that slept today, but we made it. It's no sacrifice. In Burundi, that 10,000 people, it's 112 degrees under tin roof. And they worship and they dance for four hours. Why? Because they're free. They're not just free physically, but they're free indeed because they have seen a man lead them. When President Felipe was, was given the presidency and they voted him in, he said, I want to tell you who my God is. He said, I'm going to go from one corner of this country to the other on a bicycle with no guards. And he said, my God will protect me. And he got on a bicycle and he rode across the hills of Burundi and he didn't take one armed man with him. He had had an army that fought with him. But as he stood as president, he said, My God, I want you to see my God. That he will care for me and he will take care of me. And there were men that laid an ambushment to take him out along the way. But either their guns would not fire or they would oversleep and he passed them by. To bring sacrifices of joy. Our sacrifice is a sacrifice of joy. For my sweet lady that's been struggling from the loss of a loved one that she spent 50 years sharing a life with. It's hard, but our sacrifice is a sacrifice of joy. Whenever we don't feel like it, we stand and we say, Lord, I'll rejoice in you. 
Lord, in this gray sky today, I'm going to lift my voice and I'm going to praise you. You are my help. You are my God. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, he, he, you may have to do it like you're priming an old pump and just it be it just be something in the natural for a while. But one day, I promise you, he'll take you to a place of everlasting joy. As my daddy used to say, boy, you better get happy. He said, you better get happy. I want to see a smile. We've all done it. Boy, you better get happy. I hear my Heavenly Father say, come on, church, get happy. Come on, church, get happy. And then David said, more than I'm going to seek his hand, he said, I'm going to seek his face. David wanted to see the face of God. You know, for those of us that are believers, I can't wait to see the face of my God. (laughs) Because of the fall of Adam, we can't see the face of God. We couldn't take it. I promise you, it would, it would just, we'd all blow up to see the face of God. But I can't wait to see the face of God. To stand in His presence. But I know I won't be able to because I've sung about Him. And He's sung through me. And I felt His touch. I felt His power. You see, what you don't know is when I was 18 years of age, I had grown up with asthma, swollen chest, all the medications, oxygen tents, the whole thing. As a singer, that's not a good thing. At the age of 18, a Baptist pastor walked into the room that I was sleeping. I was resting with my dad. And he walked over to my dad, and my dad said, Joe boy, he said, Pastor wants to pray for you. He wants to lay hands on you, and he wants to anoint you with oil. You see, I didn't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit until I was 31 years of age. This was pre-H-S. But they came over and laid hands on me. Didn't feel a thing, Brother Tom. But I woke up the next morning and my lungs were totally clear. And I never had another asthma attack since. Now that'll mess up a Baptist boy who had been told all that had passed away. You get hungry and you start going... I think I'll start to seek about this man. This man from Galilee. I may want to find out about that person of the Holy Spirit who's, who's the minister of the Father and he's God on the earth today. But I'm afraid that I'll just have to fall in his face. <laughs> and for once in my lifetime, <laughs> I won't be able to say a word. I just may lay there for a few millenniums. And then one day, I'll get the courage to look at his face. You see, for me, this ain't my job. I love it. It's wonderful. It's exciting. But this really ain't my job. This is a privilege. It's a way of life. It's who I am. If you're around me, you know I sing everywhere I go. On the plane, in the car. Somebody will make a, say a phrase and I'll sing the phrase. Because there's a song there somewhere. I'm not going to bring you bad news. 
because he ain't bad news to me. I've never felt under bondage to have to go to church. Some of the greatest joys I've ever had have been in church. I look forward to coming and meeting more of the body of Christ. Black, brown, yellow, green, white. I've worshipped with them all. They told us that the Asian people were subdued and, and they were very dignified. Now where I go, boy, you get them to singing and lifting their hands. They start falling under the power of the Holy Ghost and laughing and rolling on the floor. I didn't do nothing. We just created an atmosphere for God to work. Somehow I believe that celebration is a place that God has ordained where His Spirit can be poured out. People's lives can be changed. You don't have to force anything. Just let God be God. Well, things will get out of order. Give me a Pentecostal break. The Holy Spirit doesn't bring disorder. Everywhere the Holy Spirit came, He brought order. Now, it might look a little chaotic, but I promise you He was putting things in order. And then last of all, to be taught His ways. Lord, teach us Your ways that we can walk with You, talk with You, live with You. To know Your ways, to know Your power. Hallelujah.